Welcome to FHSU Tilt Talk, a podcast about educational technologies, teaching and learning, scholarly research, and service, hosted by Teaching Innovation and Learning Technology staff. Greetings, this is episode 19 of FHSU Tilt Talk and part three of our summer book talk series. As mentioned in the previous episodes, our Tilt team read What Inclusive Instructors Do by Tracy Marcella Addy, Derek Dube, Khadija Mitchell, and Mallory Sorrell. The faculty development team covered part one on inclusion in major principles, and our instructional design team discussed inclusive teaching practices and design. Today, Tilt's Ed Tech team will cover the final section in which we will discuss the author's technology form and ways FHSU's various offices can assist in these inclusive practices. I am Nathan Riedel, instructional technologist here at Fort Hayes State University. And I am Magdalene Moy, also an instructional technologist at Tilt. What did you think of the book? Um, interesting. I think our last uh, section that we'll cover today um, left a lot of things open because there's so much variation in what different universities and instructors have access to technology-wise. Um, so as you mentioned, as you mentioned, the author um, presents a form for instructors to utilize with their students um, early in the semester, and they name this form, who's in the class. So it basically asks a, an overview of different questions to the students to kind of get their a range of um, experiences that the students are going to have. Just kind of differences, I'd say, right? Like, I mean, because there's a difference between somebody who is maybe an L- LGBTQ identified and uh, someone who's a first uh, generation student. But something to mention, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, uh, if you read the book, you notice this too, is that that is an exclusive though. You could have somebody who's LGBTQ and first generation, but what's important about this form is that it helps you kind of see who's in your course and right. get an idea of, of these people. Um, One yeah. of the things that the authors um, make clear is for you as an instructor not to bring your biases into you know, not to put your biases on your students. Um, They discuss the visible and invisible identities that your students may have. So this form kind of opens the possibility for your students to tell you who they are rather than you assume who they are. Yeah, exactly. And and as you remember with the invisible and visible identities, uh, if you, you know, read the first chapter, they do talk about how sometimes we will always go to the visible identities and we'll always kind of try to make accommodations based off those visible things. This form allows us to see the invisible identities that students have. It's tough to know if somebody's like a first generation student just by looking at them. This form helps you determine that. Um, I, I think it's a great idea to do, and I, I think that having this resource already available is is fantastic. And one thing I like, and I think you'll agree here too, is that this isn't just a one and done thing either. This is a consistent thing, right? Exactly. Um, one of the things that the authors mention is specifically once they deploy this form, get the feedback from their students, um, they let their students know what changes they are making in their course, whether or not that's their in face-to-face course or their online course, um, so that the students recognize that their instructors care about them and are hearing 
who they are, seeing who they are as individuals. They also uh, suggest getting midterm feedback to make sure that the implementation of the changes are doing what they're meant to do. I think we'd probably recommend that um, you make the changes and do your mid-semester feedback, but probably we would encourage you to think about inclusivity and accessibility in your course design even before you do this, who's in the class form with your students. And yeah, and all, and all, all year round. Um, when I was reading this, all I could think about is like weight loss and how like, just cause I lost my weight, it doesn't mean it's gone. I have to keep working at it. And the same goes for inclusive teaching. I like to think uh, after reading this book, you have to keep going and you have to keep trying to be inclusive because I mean, we all know we have different students each semester and they're not gonna be the same semester to semester. And you also are gonna have students that change. I mean, the process of learning is about changing mental kind of modes and, and ideas. So your learners will change too. So they really stress that this form isn't just a beginning of semester thing, right? It's all, it's, it's all semester, it's all year, it's all life. <laughs> um, and then uh, one thing that they, they do kind of recommend with like getting to know your students is also understanding, um, our whole point is talking about fostering inclusivity with technology, right? And they do kind of stress the point of ensuring through this that you understand whether or not your students can access tools, kind of a mini technology audit, right? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Max? Um, I think that's something that we, especially you and I, Nathan, really try to emphasize with our faculty, right? Um, it's not, and, and let me preface this to say, it's not just what your students are comfortable with, what the tools in your um, course are gonna be, it's also going to be you as the instructor. What tools are you comfortable with and how can you make these available to your students and support your students learning with these tools? Yeah, and that's really important is actually making sure you're comfortable. Um, and that's kind of an anthem we have here at Tilt is make sure it's the tool you want to use because if you're using the wrong tool, it's not going to, it's not going to help that inclusivity that you're trying to foster in your courses. Um, and keep in mind, you know, uh, if there is technology that you're wanting to use and students don't have access to it, the whole purpose, well, one of the main purposes of Tilt is to keep a robust ecosystem around. And we can help you find tools that all your students should be able to access and be able to use. Um, and we have, I mean, the list goes on and on. <laughs> but I think our focus really isn't, and our focus for you is not to be about the tool. Mm -hmm. Tools change, you can find, you can use a tool in any variety of ways. It's really about fostering that inclusivity, fostering collaborative learning, helping your students feel like they belong in your class and keeping that regular substantive interaction going on between yourself and your students. And there's a multitude of tools that can do that. It's really how you design um, it to work in your course. Yeah, exactly. And if we're talking about access, I mean, the, the first one that I think of when it comes to like accessing tools is always finance, you know, money. And we all know, I mean, books are expensive, very expensive <laughs> textbooks are. Uh, one thing that's recommended that we really recommend is uh, providing free resources and the authors recommend this too. I think at one point they even talk about uh, if you assign a book, try to make sure you have like extra copies you can hand out too. But I mean, we can even go beyond that though. We can use something like OERs, 
OERs are big here at Fort Hayes. Uh, we currently have Pressbooks. I'm sure you can probably explain that a lot better than I can exactly of how we're using Pressbooks. Um, but we also have something called Infobase. Uh, most people are probably familiar with it uh, as Atomic Learning or Who Knew It, but it's a collection of videos that you can embed in your courses. Has um, things like problem solving skills, how to use Word, how to use PowerPoint, things like that. Uh, Pressbooks though is really interesting. We've actually had a lot of takeoff with Pressbooks. Yeah, yeah. so, um, and we'll be integrating Pressbooks into our LMS Blackboard this fall. So fall 2023, look for the ability to get your Pressbooks inside your course. Um, but there, you know, we have boot camps for it. That's something that you could definitely uh, speak to the library about if you're interested in more information about that. I know that there's conferences and other support specifically for our faculty members to build OERs for their students. Yeah, and also keep in mind too that Forsyth Library, on top of helping you build OERs, uh, can also help you collect OERs too. Mm -hmm. yes. they, they can help you locate resources to find OERs. And having that free content for students, I think, is absolutely imperative, really we, important. We know that um, data from our FHSU students, one of the reasons that they choose Fort Hayes is because we are a cost efficient university. So it's something to think about when we think about how to be inclusive in our classrooms. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we also have, I mean, other methods of, of considering uh, using technology for inclusivity. We also have like just basic accommodations. Um, one big one that we have, of course, is the, uh, the ability in Blackboard itself to accommodate students. We have Ally, which is kind of an accessibility checker, but it's also a content manipulator. So Ally can serve two functions in Blackboard. One is it can look at the items that you create in your course and tell you how accessible they are. So it'll look at maybe images you embed in your pieces, like in your little content items. And if you don't have like alt text, and alt text is how screen readers read uh, items, um, read images and explain it to the person using it, It'll, it'll flag that and it'll tell you, well, you don't have alt text on this image. So it helps you kind of design your course in a way that helps students. But it also helps students because they can, let's say you upload a PDF, they can download that PDF as an MP3. So if they are dyslexic or visually impaired in any other way, they can actually just listen to your PDF. Uh, we also have ReadSpeaker on top of Ally. ReadSpeakers, as I said, uh, you put an alt text on images so that way screen readers can pick it up and explain the image to whoever's using the screen reader. ReadSpeaker is a screen reader. So if you use ReadSpeaker, or if you, uh, if you have students that use ReadSpeaker, pardon me, uh, having like alt text on your images will be important because what ReadSpeaker does is it reads Blackboard to them. Um, it can read the title of modules the module descriptions underneath. It can even read your like video descriptions and things like that. Um, ReadSpeaker is pretty powerful and it's just kind of in there. You don't have to set anything up. Your students can just hit play and it'll start reading the entire page to them. But we have a lot more than just like technology solutions here at Tilt. We also have, I mean, for, first off is uh, we have like, I mean, we're, we're contacted. We're talking about Forsyth Library, but there's also health and wellness. Um, we have the the circle of support. Um, 
And so that, if you're not familiar with it, um, is a support group for neurodiverse students and faculty to get together. Um, and this is through our Tiger to Tiger platform. Um, but it's a place for people to talk about their challenges and kind of get support from one another um, through just community. Um, you can link directly to that from your course if you'd like to. And one of the things um, when it comes to learning accommodations that you might not be doing currently in your course is to just let your students know that we have these tools available to them, that FHSU provides these services to them. And not just, you know, one of the things that we say about Ally and Read Speakers, it's not necessarily if you have an accommodation need, but if anyone wants to use this, this is available to them and to yourself if you want to use them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to be in need of these tools to use these tools. You can use them to do whatever. I mean, if you want to have an item read to you and you don't want to spend the time reading it because you're grading, you could actually probably use Ally to do that for you, a read speaker. I mean, but that's not all. I mean, there's all sorts of non-technological solutions at Fort Hayes too, and that Tilt also promotes. Uh, one thing that we really like to encourage, and, and the authors encourage as well, is co-curricular involvement. Um, it can involve technology based on how you want to receive feedback, but it's all about giving students choices and assignments, uh, giving them group assignments if they're particularly difficult, and even choice on deadlines, right? You know, uh, maybe not like, perfect choice on deadline, but a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of say in their education, I think was a big message. Right, and I mean, I think traditionally when we think of co-curricular activities, we might think of someone who's in sports or um, maybe even has a job, but a lot of our FHSU students have families, right? So part of um, designing for inclusivity is thinking about how can they be you know, successful students in your course um, based on how you design these deadlines, these group activities, maybe you can pair, you know, allow people to pair with each other who have similar work abilities or time schedule. Work schedule, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and those are all things that you could put in that who's in the class form, right? So it doesn't have to be a prescriptive form that you're sending out to your students. It can be with the attend the intention of like having a final project that's meant to be a group project trying to pair people correctly or group them where they're going to be successful in your course yeah um, one of the other groups that this book uh, takes into account and wants to make you know visible is first generation students and the challenges specifically when you do not have um, maybe a foundational support of what a university life looks like um, and one of the suggestions here that's, again, not really tech-based, but is offering students low-stakes opportunities to get, you know, points in your course that aren't going to be like high-stake exams or only doing a midterm and a final. So they really encourage you to provide ample opportunities for students to um, learn in your course for their grade that are in high stake. Yeah, some some kind of low stake failure opportunities. You know, and one way to actually facilitate this, you don't need to use tech to facilitate this, but we do have a feedback fruits automated feedback, which mm -hmm. you want to talk about low stakes, 
that's about as low as it gets is having an AI review your paper instead of a human being. You don't have to worry about somebody like kind of being like, does this person know the difference between E effect and A effect <laughs> kind of thing? Uh, so low stakes opportunities, definitely. We also, for first gen students, uh, actually all students, but I mean, it, it does help with first gen students is we have Tiger to Tiger on Inscribe. Uh, partly with InSpace, we're moving it into there for synchronous aspects of Tiger to Tiger. But Tiger to Tiger is an online social media community that we've created for uh, our online students. Basically, we believe that giving them kind of a virtual student union, virtual quad, virtual hallway outside the classroom is a good thing. And we think that it can help them feel involved, right? Right, so really what this is trying to do, um, and not just for our online students, our face-to-face -face students can access this too, but really trying to build community, right? So we know, and the book also um, references this, is that if students feel like I'm not alone in the struggle that I'm feeling, they're more likely to persist. Um, and so if they can see that there's other people who are maybe older students or first-generation students or underrepresented students, they're going to, to be more likely to persists and um, will have better retention overall. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sense of belonging. And, and speaking of, the, I mean, that idea of belonging too, and then another important thing to realize um, is Fort Hayes' groups. We mentioned that Fort Hayes has a lot of resources and offices. Uh, I mean, just diversity student organizations. Uh, we have the Gender and Sexuality Alliance. We have Women in STEM, Black Student Union, International Student Union, uh, HALO, uh, Hispanic American Leadership Organization. Wow, uh, we have a lot of resources for students around here. Um, and I think it's really important to remember that, you know, Part of the reason they're telling us to leverage technology in the book is is to get more involved with making students feel belong, but you can't always do that. So having these like extra groups, I think, really helps because it gives another student a way to tell this student, oh, here's how you can feel a little better about being here and feeling like you're included in everything. So. Right. I think technology provides a way to facilitate connection. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just have to leverage that. So I think particularly in our online courses, how do we you know, facilitate these connections with the larger Fort Hayes community with like these student organizations and stuff? If you're interested in um, putting more uh, inclusivity or you're interested in some theory, learning theory um, in inclusivity, one of the things that you might look at is culturally relevant pedagogy. Um, one of the really interesting pedagogies that fall under this category is called hip hop pedagogy. I think it's really fun um, and obviously meant for uh, inner city kids, uh, really rap based kind of um, how you intrigue students learning about language with rap or poems. Um, kind of meeting but, them halfway. Yeah. yeah. So there's, but there's a lot of culturally relevant um, pedagogy, and there's a lot of learning theories that are similar to this. Um, Place-based theory is one of them. Um, you may also look at just authentic learning opportunities for your students. I know that one of our biology faculty members uses uh, some readings from Harrietta Lack. So you can imagine that just giving students uh, assignments that 
maybe more relatable to them or are culturally relevant to them allows them to feel more connected to not just um, your content but to whatever that you know to the science community at large well yeah well and i mean i'm not like trying to like be beat up on like me or my my demo or anything but like i, I can't imagine that like a, a young maybe hispanic girl would look at me and be like oh hey there's an embodiment of who i am nathan riedel but they might look at somebody at a scholar that's more like their demographic and be like wow you know what i can do it too <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so and that's the importance i think of involving uh Diverse scholarship is one thing they talk about. So in, involving uh, black, Latinx, uh, LGBTQ scholars uh, and, and authors in the content you teach, you know, they talk about make, making sure you do that so that way you have that diversity in your content and in your pedagogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get that entirely. About like trying to open it up. And, and, and speaking of like, I mean, LGBTQ students, uh, we have actually an interesting development with blackboard we have had reports from students um with uh pronouns um and using their preferred names in blackboard we've actually been working and we kind of have made we've made 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 headway on that to where students can use their preferred names uh that they that they choose to um instead of their dead names you know um and we would encourage you to you know if you do decide that you want to use this who's in the class form look look at the blackboard name versus maybe like a workday name because we while we may not be able to change you know a legal name in workday for some um, policy reasons and stuff like that in blackboard we are able to do this and it is something that we've been working on but just some you know things to think about anyway is trying to to monitor your language also as, you know, if you can recognize that there's visible and invisible identities, then you can also think about not using, hey, you guys um, in your class. And it's, you know, I'm originally from California and I call my best friend who's a female dude, she calls me dude. And I call you dude and bro all the time. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) In a classroom is, um, is an important thing, but there's other language that we use that it might be gendered or um, mm-hmm. bias in you know a variety of ways. Microaggressions. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and, and just like trying to be mindful of, of, of how we speak. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and think about that in your announcements, right? So how do you even speak to your class, right? Um, are you gendering your, your messages? Um, are you are you presenting your biases in a way that you may be not intentionally doing that? And we we don't need technology to monitor that. It's just no. kind of more of a mind a growth mindset around it. To work on, yeah, yeah. Basically, just uh, there's all those you see YouTube videos where it just starts with, "Hey guys, uh, don't be the YouTube video people." That's right. my that's my recommendation. Um, so. Uh, Um, so uh, I guess our, our last bit here is kind of like end of the semester housekeeping, I guess, once you're done kind of working on all this. Um, as we said with the form that the authors provide, uh, you should be doing it multiple times throughout the semester, maybe at midterms, maybe even more than that. Um, but make modifications as you do this, right? Right. This is an iterative process, not just in your course design, not just in your communication, but you, you know, as you grow as an education educator, right, in this field, how 
how can we better serve our students? How can we be more inclusive? How can we be mindful of accessibility um, in all ways that we present our content? Yeah, and, and you know, and also keep in mind that like if something works this semester, maybe it should be a permanent implementation to your course. If it's something that really speaks to inclusivity, maybe it should be a continuous thing, not just something you did because, oh, I had a hearing impaired individual, so I'm just going to make this one change or accommodation, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll just share a little anecdote. Um, I was <laughs> teaching microbiology and we were doing gram staining and it was the first time I've ever had a colorblind student. So if you're not familiar with gram stain, it's the difference between purple and pink to show the difference between a positive and a negative um, bacteria. And, and it completely changed how I had to think about doing a particular lab, but it comes into my thoughts all the time when I do course design now, even using colors in my Blackboard courses, like, uh, is someone going to be able to see this? Is someone not going to be able to see this? Um, so, you know, now it's better not to use color. It's better to use boldness if you are trying to point something out. Um, and that's something that Tilt can really help with as well. We do workshops all the time on accessibility in your course design. Um, so look out for that. And we will be presenting the form that we've been talking about throughout this episode um, in our resources on our podcast page on our Tilt blog. But you can always also reach out to us if you're interested in that yeah. as well. Yeah, we have, um, we have the website for the book on there, which has a link to the form, but also several other resources. And we also have a direct link to the form if you want to give it to your students. We're also going to give you a link to FHSU's Diversity Affairs webpage. So that way you can get access to those diversity resources. So uh, overall, though, I, I think an interesting summer read. It was an interesting book. Um, if you haven't read it and you've just been listening along with us, I recommend you go and grab it. Just take a quick look at it. Yeah, um, lots of interesting resources in their mm -hmm. appendices, but um, just overall helping you get your mindset around inclusivity, accessibility um, in your course and how you can be, how can, you can implement that in your actual um, life and education. Yeah. And if you have read the book, thank you for reading along with us as an office this summer. It's been interesting, it's been fun, and it's been exciting. So thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. I'm Nathan Riedel. Magdalene Moy. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of FHSU Tilt Talk. Subscribe on Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. In the meantime, check out the Tiger Learn blog or the Tilt social media pages for updates. We'll see you next time.